Well, good morning. Glad you guys are here this morning. For those of you who are joining us online, we're glad you're joining us this morning. We are working through a little mini-series uh, in the book of Timothy called Be Rich. And so if you have your Bibles, you want to find 1 Timothy is where we're going to be. Um, otherwise, uh, I, I want to encourage you. It's getting close to the fall. I know, I know, you know, just let us all enjoy our summer. Trust me, I, I know more than anybody else. I love me some summer, but um, it's getting close to fall. And we would love to help you get connected this fall, right? And so the best way to do that, the way we do things around here, is for you to get connected by getting into Rooted, okay? And Rooted is 10 weeks. I tell people all the time, if you want to get connected, the best way to get connected is to get into a small group or serve. And if you can do both of those, that's awesome, right? And so Rooted is kind of a pathway to do that. And so I would love for you to um, think about getting into Rooted this fall, and you can text Monmouth to 97,000, um, and, and Rooted is an option if you want to get plugged into, into that. So, there we go. There's, there's Rooted. Um, hey, First Timothy, let, let's look at it. We started a series last week. Started a series last week, First Timothy 6, verse 18. It says this, instruct them to do good, to be rich, right? That's where our title comes from. In good works, to be generous and ready to share. Last week, we talked. If you missed last week, it's super important that um, I really encourage you, maybe more than any other time, to go back and listen to last week. Because if you just listen to this week and to week three, you're going to get a really misguided view of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Because we built a really important foundation, and it really came down to this last week. We talked about our why, about why we're rich in good works and generous. Oh, went away. Our why is worship, not work, okay? We talked last week, really important. We had this conversation about we don't do anything out of an attempt to earn God's approval, to appease God, to convince God that we're worthy. But instead, when we understand what God has done for us, we respond in doing good as the natural response to anyone who's experienced the kind of grace and mercy and kindness that we experience from God. So, so this week, and, and then in two weeks, um, next week, Joe Hoover is, you, know, you, just, you just saw him. If you don't know him, you just met him on the screen. Um, Joe Hoover is preaching next week. But then the week after, we're going to finish up this series. And over these next two weeks, we're going to look at this verse. Because if, if you look, you can kind of see the structure of how the verse works, right? It says, instruct them to do good, okay? And then he's actually explaining to you what it looks like to do good, Okay, these aren't like separate clauses. They're just like listing off a bunch of random things. Instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, okay? And I know it seems weird, but actually in the Greek, this good and this good are different Greek words. We're going to talk about that in a minute, right? And then in two weeks, when we finish up the series, we're going to talk about the second half, to be generous and ready to share. So um, just in case you want to make up a really bad excuse about why you're not going to come to church, uh, the last Sunday in July, we're going to talk about money, Okay? So if you want an excuse, you, you just know now, you can just, you know, right? You can come up with a bad excuse, okay? Instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works. This, this word here that I've, that I've um, emboldened here, do good, it's a, it's, an, it's a very incredibly rare Greek word. Sometimes words are rare in the Bible, Right? Because the New Testament Greek portion of the Bible, the New Testament, you know, is like this thick. Right? It's 
couple tens of thousands of words, but it's, 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 you know, realistically for a whole society for hundreds of years, it's not a lot of text, okay? But there are some words that are in the Bible that are just rare all around. This word that's here is, is used almost nowhere else in any Greek language text that we have. It's an incredibly rare word. Now, it, it's a compound word. There's one other spot in the New Testament that it shows up, and ironically, Paul's also talking in this moment. It comes in Acts 14, and in Acts 14, um, Paul has um, done what Paul does. Right? So Paul shows up in a town, he goes to try and find some Jews to tell them about Jesus, and whether that works or doesn't work, whether you can find them or not, he eventually ends up in a public square, and he eventually is telling people about Jesus and, 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 and the grace and mercy of God, and, and you know, you, you've worshipped all these gods, but you know, one point, one group, he says, let me tell you about the unknown God. You have an idol right here to the unknown God, and let me tell you about the unknown God, and that's Jesus, right? And, and he, he's telling them, and as it happens with Paul, basically everywhere he goes, it always always ends bad, right? At least from our perspective, from our comfort level perspective. He ends up, you know, at one point, at one point, uh, the, the, the mobs are like so riled up that they let him out of the window out in a basket, okay? Which should tell you something about the size of Paul because nobody's letting me out a window in a basket, <laughs> Right? And they let him out a window so he could escape out of the town, right? So this is one of those moments. A, a crowd is riling up. Now, what's interesting about this moment is the crowd is riling up, and they want to actually offer sacrifices to Paul. That they think he's so incredible a messenger from God that we should offer sacrifices. And he said, no, 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 no. Don't offer sacrifices to me. Here's, here's the real God, okay? And he says this, Acts 14, verse 15 and through 17. God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. And the generations gone by, he permitted all the nations to go their own way, to do their own thing, to rebel, right? Says this, yet he did not leave himself without a witness in that he did good. See that right there? Same Greek word. It's one of the only places in the Greek language outside the Bible. I mean, one of the only places, including the Bible, that we find this, this compound word. That he did good and gave you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with good and gladness. Okay, so based on his argument, can you see a little bit about what Paul is saying about what this word means? Uh, Paul's argument to them is you rebelled against God. You ran away from God. You wanted nothing to do with God. You mocked God. You sacrificed to other idols. You rejected him. Another passage in scripture that Paul writes, he says um, that you were enemies of God in your mind. That you were enemies with God, right? But he says even as enemies, look, look, God left himself a witness about his character, about who he was, that he did good, he did good to you. He, he gave you rain. He gave you sun. I was, I was talking with someone. The, oh, actually, I was, this is going to seem like a, a Joe Hoover fan club. But I was talking with Joe Hoover just a week ago. <laughs> There's more of us. We should start a club together. Um, uh, uh, I was talking with Joe Hoover, and we were talking about you know, how some things translate and some things don't translate in Scripture culturally. And, and uh, we were talking about this, about rains. 
right? Um, a lot of times for us, we think of rain as a bad thing. Well, I mean, unless you're like, like a real Oregonian, then there's something wrong with your brain and you haven't gotten enough vitamin, C over your li- vitamin D over your life and you like the rain. But the rest of us who are healthy, well-balanced people, we would think God's blessing would be sun, right? It, isn't that even the Irish proverb? That the sun would shine on your face? That's the blessing, that, that you would have sun. And we think rain's like, oh, oh. Like, at least that's how I feel every winter, right? Is the rains. But this is actually God's goodness because without rains, you have no crop in the Middle East. They're not worried about getting enough sun. They're worried about getting enough rain. And God demonstrates his goodness. But here's the uniqueness. Here's the uniqueness about this kind of goodness. It has nothing to do with the worthiness of the recipient. You see that? I mean, that's actually Paul's point. He's like, look, look, you rebelled against God. You did not deserve him to care about you a moment. And yet, he was good, not because of your worthiness, but because of his character. You know, the people we are good to, the people we are kind and generous, the type of people that we're willing to expend ourselves on to make a bad investment in right to give to the kind of people we're willing to serve says abundantly exponentially more about us than it does about them Paul's point was not that they were rebels his point was to show that in spite of their rebellion that God's goodness and generosity was so overwhelming that in a very real way, he helped them out. He, he, he gave to them. He was good and generous to them. I mean, this is when we come to worship God, when we come to celebrate God, what, what we should not be, I mean, I don't think what we do, but what we shouldn't be doing is we shouldn't be celebrating, God, isn't it awesome that I'm so cool? Isn't it awesome that you have me on your team? God, I don't know where you would be if it wasn't for me. That sounds like a good little uh, tagline for a song. God, I don't know where you'd be if it wasn't for me. The reason Jason leads worship here. Um, When we worship, when we celebrate, when our hearts are full of gratitude, Is it not that we are celebrating the extravagance of his goodness to us in spite of us? That that what is so amazing about the God that we worship and the God that we celebrate is that he is good in spite of us. That regardless of anything we've done, anything we've tried to earn, that still, and that's, I mean, here, uh, there's, there's a passage you probably know, Psalm 8, it says this, right? This is like a, a psalm of worship. This is the posture of our heart when we worship a, the God of all the cosmos. What is man? Do you think of him, the son of man, that you care for him, that you do good? you do good. The kind of people you choose to serve 
says abundantly more. It, it's like this. Um, you ever played poker? Actually, just yesterday, my daughter was asking me uh, if she could learn to play poker. Um, I don't know what that says about our household, but um, you know, we just started gambling early on in her life, and so. But she wanted to learn how to play poker, and and there's a you know there's a thing about poker. There's a it's called a tell, right? You know what a tell is, right? It, that that there's some way that you act in a different way, that you do something, that you shuffle your cards, that you move your eyes, right? It's why watching poker on TV is the most boring thing you could ever do in your life. Right, because if you haven't watched it, they wear a baseball cap down like this. They wear super dark sunglasses, and they all sit like this. And the the, the announcer tries to be, "Oh, he got, he got a four, he got a four, he got a four. and they're all just sitting there in the circle, just staring down. At me. It is the most boring thing because they're trying not to give away anything. They're trying not to make a tell. They're trying to hide what they possess in darkness so that nobody else knows. Here's what I propose to you. Um, A tell of the kind of heart you possess that you hide within yourself is the kind of people you serve. A way that shows the whole world the kind of grace and mercy and empathy and compassion It's a tell. It gives it away. It gives it away, the character of God, that he would care about someone like me, that he'd care about someone like you. It tells us about the kind of heart that God has. And if we are going to be image bearers, do you remember that? That's what we are, image bearers. If we are going to bear the image of our God, then we are going to be people who in the same way give away the kind of heart we have inside of us by the kind of people and in the way we serve people and the way we do good for the benefit of others. But let me ask this question, right? Who we serve shows our heart just as it shows God's heart that he serves us. Um, But look again at this. Instruct them to do good. Now, if you go to verse 17, he's talking to the rich people. We can talk about the reality that we are all the rich people. Okay, so let's just, for a moment, let's agree that I'm right, because I am. But uh, the, all, all the rich people, all of us, instruct them to do good. He, here's a curious thing about, you should ask about this passage. Why does he only instruct rich people to do good? Like, like sometimes he'll tell a group of people, like when the scripture's writing, he'll say, tell these people to do this, tell these people, and then he'll tell, say everyone do this, right? Why does he only tell the rich people to do good? Here's my theory. This is just me. This is my theory. Here's my theory, okay? Because people with resources love to delegate responsibility, when, when we have money, let's be honest, right? No shame here. This is me. This is me with you, all of us together. When we have resources, you know what we love to do? We love to pay someone else to take care of broken people. We love to pay someone else to go overseas. <laughs> Doesn't it make us feel better to be like, well, hey, you know what? I support four missionaries. I, I sponsor seven kids. You know, I give money to UGM, Right? When we have resources, we, I, I was thinking about this. How would the story of the Good Samaritan be different if the person was like a 21st century American, right? 
They find the person on the side of the road. And, and let's just assume they have such a generous, gracious, compassionate heart, like so many of you, right? Generous, compassionate heart, right? <laughs> like, like they see the person on the side of the road and they'd be like, hey, man, I've got AAA. You just wait here. I'll call them. They'll come pick you up. They'll take you to the nicest hospital. And you know what? We're going to go online and we're going to make a GoFundMe. We're going to raise a bunch of money so that we can pay for your bill so you can go to a hospital somewhere else, right? As long as you'll go to the hospital over there. And, you know, we'll have some extra. We'll even, we'll like make a little fund for your kids so they can go to college, right? Like all good things. But we have a tendency when we have resources to want to delegate responsibility and think that we can write a check to fix the problem. And so Paul writes to us and says, if we're going to be the kind of image bearers that look like the God we worship, we have to be people who are willing to get our hands dirty. Remember there's a parable. There's a parable where Jesus is talking and he says, um, you know, kingdom of heaven, it's like this guy, he owns a vineyard and he goes away and other people work the vineyard and he sends a servant to the vineyard to go collect his profits, right? And you remember what they do to the servant? They beat him up and they send him away, right? And he sends another one and they do the same thing. And then he says, he says um, well, you know what? If I send my son, they will respect him and they will listen and they will give me what is owed to me. And he sends his son, and you know what the parable says? It says they murdered his son. You see, the God that we worship is a God who was willing not just to send someone else to do the work that was necessary. It was a God who was willing to go and get his hands dirty in a really busted and messed up world. That's the gospel we celebrate. That God came after us. That God came after us. And so if we are going to be the kind of people that look like the God we worship, we will be people that will get our hands dirty, that will do hard things, that will do uh, the phrase in First Timothy, it says, to be rich in good works, in good work, in good doing, that this is a doing thing. It's been said a lot of times, Maybe you've heard this before, that save people, serve people. Think about the cruelty. Cruelty? Cruelty. There's only one syllable in that, right? Cruelty. Two syllables. See, I learned that from second grade. Cruelty. There you go. <laughs> Think of the cruelty. If, as we believe spiritually, each one of us was in a valley of death, in bondage, in chain to our own brokenness, slaves in this valley of death and we're in this valley of death with all of humanity and someone comes along and shares with us a way that we can be broken free from the chains and, and they, they share with us this key that they have that is Jesus that can break our chains and just on the other side of the hill is life and goodness what, what, think of the cruelty if we're bound up in chains in this valley of death and despair because of our own wickedness and just decay and death and, and we get broken free from the chains and we go running towards the hill and someone says, one of our former jailmates, our prison mates says to us, help me! And we look back and go, good luck! Despite the message of the gospel, that God came after us, came to us, came amongst a broken and dirty and busted humanity 
He did not come to be served, Mark tells us, but he came to serve. And if we are going to claim to be Jesus' people, then we will be the people who do the same, who live in this life not to be served, but to get our hands dirty. So the question I'd have for you this morning is this. Who are you serving that it costs you? serving? Who are you serving? That by worldly standards is a bad investment. Right? Who who are you serving? That there's never going to be return on them. Who are you serving that's costing you time? That's costing you money? That's costing you energy? That's costing you emotional capacity? Who are you serving that's costing you? If we are going to claim to be Jesus' people, then we are called to be people that look like Jesus who came and gave all of of who he was for a people who did not deserve him to show us the kind of character of what it looks like to be a loving and grace-filled and merciful and compassionate God. And so if we are going to be Jesus' people, We're going to be people who spend the rest of our life investing in people that are bad investments. We are going to spend the rest of our life serving people that could never help us out. And we are going to be people that get our hands dirty in a very broken and ugly world. Who are you serving? In a couple weeks, we're going to do this inaugural thing. Um, if you're a language person, uh, you may have been one of the many people that reminded me that you can't have a first annual. I want to call it a first annual, but you can't have a first annual. You can only have a second annual. First, the first time, it's just inaugural, right? Okay? So we're going to have this inaugural thing we're calling Serve Our City. Okay? And so August 6th, here's what we're going to do August 6th. We're going to gather here, but we're not going to do church like this. We're going to do church differently. We're all going to gather together, and then we're going to go out, and we're going to get our hands dirty. We're going to go serve people that are never going to pay us back, who could never pay us back. We're we're going to um, go serve. uh, You could sign up to be on a team to go to Heron Point and serve on and love some residents that live at Heron Point. We're going to have a team that's going to go work at Ella Curran. It's the largest food bank in our county, uh, just over in Independence. They've got a bunch of work that's got to get done. We're going to go serve them. Uh, just this last week, they provided food to 800 different families in our community. Uh, we're going to go to DHS, and we're going to do some manual labor work there at DHS. And then if you want, with kind of a fourth bonus team, we're going to have a team that's going to stay here and uh, do some stuff for Back School Bash and get a lunch ready, because then we're done. We're going to come back, and we're going to have lunch together. We're just going to kind of celebrate, and we're going to give up our Sunday. We're going to give up our chance to come and sing songs together to study his word. We're going to give up our Sunday to serve people that could never pay us back. Now, here's the deal. Serve our city, right? This thing here, okay? Um, In a second, a QR code's gonna pop up there, and and you can register if you want to on that QR code. Here's the thing. Um, This is not gonna fix the problem of who you serve. This is not gonna fix the problem. If you are wealthy, rich by by world standards, if you are in this room, if you're joining us online, right, um, and and you are not serving well, this isn't, one Sunday, August 6th, is not gonna fix your need to serve problem. But it's kinda like this. Um, If if you've ever been in a weight room, right? If you're in a weight room and and, and you go to do squats on on the rack, squat rack, right? If you haven't been in the weight room for a really long time and you go in there, you might remember the glory days, 
And you might kind of walk over there like big chested, like, <laughs> bam, I used to kill it on the squat bar, right? And you might start taking some 45 pound plates off of the, 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 the stack there and you might start putting them on the bar. And if there's anybody in that room that has any amount of experience, that has any wisdom, they're, they're probably going to say this too. If there's a trainer in the room, here's what they're going to say. They're going to say, uh, hey, hey, um, uh, why don't we just start with the bar? Right? And here's what you're going to want to say. You're going to say, the bar? Do you know me? Right? Do you know what I did in high school? Do you know what I did in college? Dude, the bar? Right? And they're going to go, <laughs> let's just, let's work on form. Let's work on flex. Let's just do the bar. Right? And if you're wise, you're going to do the bar. And then the next day, it's going to look like you got shot in the back of the leg. And you're going to walk like, anybody done squats after not doing squats for a long time? You're going to walk like this the next day because you're going to be so sore. Th this is just getting back in the squat bar. Some of us just need a moment to get back under the squat bar and to remind ourselves of the goodness and the blessing and the intimacy with our God and the act of worship that it is to serve, to do hard work, to do things that cost us. Because you know what? The more we do things that look like our God, the closer we draw our hearts to him. And the more we serve those that he's serving, the more time we spend in the places he's serving people, and the more times we spend in the places where he's moving and he's caring for people, the closer and the more time we spend with him. And the more our heart is uncomfortable and challenged, the more the spirit sanctifies us and transforms us from responsibility and duty to a joy and an intimacy with our God to serve his creation and to serve his image bearers. So the question is, who are you serving? Where are you serving that costs you? Because we have a God who is God over all the cosmos and was willing to come and serve you.